This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, looking into that camera, because yeah. a lot of people have seen Vayner World 1, and a lot of people right now in the YouTube world of the future are thinking about going to the laundrette and getting their, uh, getting their laundry. They're thinking about doing the House of Cards back to back. They've got a lot of stuff they need to do in the future on YouTube. Can you please look into that camera and tell them why the next 90 minutes is the most phenomenal shit they're ever going to see? Because everybody I've shown Vayner World 1 has loved it. Well, I actually can't do that because I first have to see what we actually do up here. Oh, no pressure, right? No pressure. Okay, well, let's get into it. You've lost some weight. How's it going? Well. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I won't well, be ready. I'm ready. I'm, uh, bring it, bring I'm, it. I'm, uh, I've lost some weight. It's true. Um, and if I realized that you actually got better looking when you lost weight, I would have done it a long fucking time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, things are good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling very interesting. I think, um, I think I'm in a good zone, right? And uh, and I'm feeling strong, strong okay. mentally, uh, emotionally, uh, physically, and um, and uh, yeah, I just think that uh, it's a good time. Well, for those, well, before we start, we always do Gary's gift time. We have since the beginning of our interviews. This is our sixth <laughs> one. This is the Vaynerworld branding. I yes. hope you like it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, shout out to uh, Prasad Bhatt out of uh, India, who was gonna give up art until I showed him Gary's video. And then he actually went and built these caricatures. He's done Jim Carrey. It's unbelievable. He's done Johnny Depp. Unbelievable. He's done so many, so many artists. And so, obviously we have an event program. You don't need to see that, because you know what's, unless you want to. Well, I like the, I like the Jets jersey. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a bookmark courtesy of Color Press, and this is for everybody in the crowd because Love it's it. Vayner World, right? It's music. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, honestly. Let's start with this because I'm not going to go to my big one. The Vayner World mug. I love it. I will. D Rock, we got to get this on the show. Love it. Okay. Yep. Um, I don't know which one to go with next. <laughs> then. This Ooh, is how amazing. heavy is this? The only one in the world. Oh, right, you made it difficult for me to get I'm going to sell this shit on eBay. Who wants it? <laughs> Amazing. The, uh, the, oh, somebody couldn't get this out for me? Shit. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. So amazing. Awesome, buddy. As I said to you before, Gary, this, this is what happens. D-Rock, can you see it? I got it. This is what happens when you, uh, when you teach a man to fish, because that's what you've taught me how to do. Right, and finally. This is insane. I saw this on social. Vaynerchucks. Vaynerchucks. This Vaynerchucks thing is amazing. <laughs> I love it. I wish I could eat this shit. Every single one. Mike, can you get a pass for a Vaynerchuck, Mike? Mike, can I eat this? No. Fuck you. <laughs> um, for, ev for every single one, and please everyone, because they're all in modeled up to, modeled up to order and we need to, do a, we need to do a raffle. It all goes to bowel cancer. Please buy one because you get a chance to win one of those canvases, not that size, a half size one. And, uh, and let's get into it. By the way, every single time we've done an interview, you've completely thashed me, sneaker game. Oh yes, you've won this time. Massive. Yeah, the Superman. All right, can I get a round of applause? Yes. Also, I want to give a shout out to the, the filters. Bunch of, uh, we made one, you made one, a couple of you made one. So Snapchat filters, make sure you bring out your snap, take some photos and use the filters, they're amazing. Uh, I've campaigned yep. and got folks here. There's always a percentage of people that don't know who you are, who you are and I believe that every yep. video 
benefits from the context because your story evolves so quickly. Could you please tell the folks here and the folks watching uh, in the future who you are, where you come from, and where you're up to at the moment? Sorry for the ones that have heard this 8,000 times. You could check your phone. Um, the real, the qu quick, quick, quick version, because I've got a vibe of the room, is I was born in the former Soviet Union. I came to the US super poor eight family members in a studio apartment, cliche American dream story. Uh, we opened up, uh, uh, you know, living in a, with nine, ten family members. My dad eventually got a $2 an hour job in a liquor store in New Jersey, uh, eventually became the manager of that liquor store. We moved to Jersey. I was super, super entrepreneurial as a kid, five, six years old, lemonade stands, washing cars, pulling out flowers and selling them. Uh, that was just my jam. My dad eventually saved every dollar, opened up a small liquor store in Springfield, New Jersey, and uh, dragged me into that business. I was making a couple thousand dollars a weekend selling baseball cards as a kid, so I was starting to make money as 13, 14 years old, but eventually uh, my dad dragged me into the store two bucks an hour and uh, bagging ice, and, uh, and that became my life. Fell in love with wine at 17 because I realized people collected it. And, uh, and that kind of became the connection point for me around having a passion around my dad's business. Discovered the internet when I was 18. Realized I could sell stuff on it very quickly. Didn't grow up techie at all. Tough for the youngsters to know this, but like, didn't grow up with the internet. Spent 30 minutes on a computer. Three to five hours is probably the real number. Three to five hours in my life on a computer by the time I was 18 years old. Right? Discovered the web, realized I could sell on it, and in 1996 I launched winelibrary.com, one of the first e-commerce wine businesses in America. Took over my dad's business in 98, and from 98 to, two, were you born in 98? <laughs> uh, took over my dad's business in 98, and, uh, and from uh, 98 to 2003 in that five year window, the real reason I get to sit here is I made every right decision with every dollar I spent in our family business, whether it was e-commerce, email marketing, Google AdWords, banner ads, uh, all of that, and grew it from a three to a $65 million a year business. Uh, YouTube came along in 06. I thought it was gonna be a big deal. I was right. I started a wine show, sat in front of a camera every day for five years and drinking wine for 20 minutes at a time. And uh, that became Wine Library TV. Uh, Google buys YouTube for $2 billion. It freaks me out. I'm like, enough of being right and not really making the kind of bank I should be making for being so right. I'm gonna invest the next time I feel this. That next time was a couple months later at South by Southwest. Saw Twitter, thought it was gonna be the next big thing. Invested in it. Made a video that Twitter should pay attention, that Facebook should pay attention to Twitter as Facebook had emerged and become the leader over MySpace, went viral inside of Facebook. Zuck's team asked me to come out and speak. I spoke, I crushed, me and Mark became friends. A Couple months later I bought a bunch of stock from his parents, came back home, figured out that Tumblr was exploding with high school kids, became friends with David Karp, they were New York based, couple of coffees, invested in Tumblr, and came out the gate with fire, right? You know, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, made a lot of money, became a super angel investor, decided to write a book off a talk I gave at the Web 2.0 Summit, Stop Watching Fucking Lost. Those, those words changed my career. Got off stage, six book deals in my inbox, took one, wrote a book called Crush It. Uh, that book went big. Uh, my brother graduated college, we started VaynerMedia. 
First two years I was dealing with being Gary Vee, speaking, the book, still running the wine business, investing, half-assing VaynerMedia, because AJ had it and God, client service sucks. Uh, <laughs> September 2011 was like, Jesus Christ, is nobody still paying attention to social media? Fuck it, I'll take it. Decided to be the CEO of VaynerMedia. We were 30 employees. Over the last four years I've run that business, growing it from 30 to 650 people, from three million to 100 million in revenue. Um, and uh, and uh, 18 months ago, Kid emailed me and said, can I make a video about you? I said, sure. His name was DRock. Came, made a video called Clouds and Dirt. It felt right. I hired him full time. Couple weeks into him looking around the web to find other videos that I put out to mash up, I decided that it was time to do another show, like Wine Library. Wanted to do it around Q&A, uh, which is a place where I felt really comfortable. Started the Ask Gary V Show. Uh, and, uh, and have taken my content, my personal content, very seriously since. Um, and uh, I've been really busy, lost 30 pounds, um, and uh, here I am. So we have you as uh, Gary V there pulling the flowers out with the baseball cards between the clouds and the dirt and the lemon above your head. We have the wine guy, we have the one that changed a lot of people's lives, the one that you were talking about, the Jets guy, and then basically where you are today. And now, London employer. Yes. What made you choose London over other cities? Uh, it's convenient to get to from New York. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna be honest here. Um, you know, it's a huge market. It's an English-speaking market. It's a city that I enjoy quite a bit personally. I'm the CEO, I need to feel good about it. Um, it's uh, the right place for us. Um, and, it, and it was feeling like it was the right place, but what has happened here in the last 48 hours has been so remarkably obvious to me that it is the right choice for me, the company, and our careers. Um, had an incredible, Young man as, uh, as an employee, Eric Fulwire, who worked with me, went to Boston, came back, thought he was the right guy, courted him with the idea in Austin, Texas at a South By uh, ago, two ago, uh, and uh, started mapping the plan. Have a lot of global brands that work with us, the biggest brands in the world, started really courting us to do you know, global, uh, and this felt like the most practical, smartest, most convenient, and most vibrant marketplace that we could go next. Um, and that's why we're here. We say bloody. You, we can uh, say bloody. You like to... Uh, Cheers. <laughs> you talk a lot about kind of like winning before you kind of start having the sale done before you sell. Are there we any already, clients that... We already won here. Brilliant. Are there any clients in particular that said, Gary, if you go there, we've got you? No. No? They've all innuendoed, but I felt like we were ready to move. I mean, preferably that's how I want it. You know, Singapore is very much on my mind. Uh, and I think if I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna definitely have a client because this is convenient. Like if I need to be here every week, I can be here every week. I can fly in, fucking sleep for an hour real quick, bang it out to midnight, go back home the next morning. Like I can be here a lot, so that made me feel confident that I didn't need an anchor client to pay my bills. The mm. business is big enough now that, I, I mean I, I have a mental commitment to lose money in year one, VaynerMedia London. We won't, uh, based on what I'm feeling right now, but. Uh, I was planning on it. And based on what you're feeling right now, looking at things like HR, recruitment, what are some of the uh, big pillars, what are the f kind of big priorities that you think, okay, for London I'm gonna have to adjust or, or tailor that for the market or is it 
Same as the US, one size fits all. We, we're very simple. Like we, we think that most businesses waste money on dumb shit. And, um, and when I look at the data around what these people are doing day in and day out, it's very similar to the US. We're doing more e-commerce here. It's more omni-channel. There's so much opportunity. And I don't think that the other agencies we compete with are selling the right stuff. And that's a white space. And so I don't think we have to tailor much. I mean, we're probably gonna have to tailor 47 things, but just like I couldn't tell you that this is worth your 90 minutes until it was over, I need to taste it, I need to come in and feel it, I need to run it, I need to do it, and then I can decide how we're gonna tailor it to this marketplace, not, not take any of my accomplishments ever before, because my friends, you're only as good as your last at bat. Nobody cares what you did yesterday. And so just because I've done well before doesn't mean I'm gonna do well here. I need to come with as much humility as I'm coming with bravado, feel it, execute, and then I'll know what those four to seven inevitable tweaks I needed to do to make this successful. So let's make, let's make those 90 minutes worthwhile. Obviously, I'm used to interviewing you in yes. promo cycle, okay. where there'll be three interviews the, week, the same week before, or 10, 10 immediately yes. after. So I'm trying to come up with some unique questions okay. to make it worthwhile. Uh, firstly, if you had, the Hot 97 makes some pretty cool videos and they've got this thing called One Got To Go. So they'll take Pharrell, Timbaland, Dre and somebody else and they'll say, you know, one of them's got to go, right? In terms of, you've got to just palm that one to the side. I won't do that permanently, but of the four apps, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook and Twitter. Twitter. If you switched one off for a year, yeah? If you could switch it off for a year only. Yeah. Is there too much noise there right now? Yes. What's, the, what's the basis? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're, you're in, you, you, you even say that as well as being in promo cycle for, 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 for your book. You'd, fuck it, I it's gone. Twitter is, Twitter's my like, high school sweetheart. Yeah. Like Twitter made me. I love, I love, are, are you like that? <laughs> I love Twitter, but I'm very, very disappointed that the product has not evolved for five years and I think it's their fault and I'm angry um, and disappointed. But, you know, and look, the one thing that makes me hesitate when I say Twitter so quickly is, and you guys that follow me the most know, I'm still easiest to get there. Like, like, but if I had to kill one, what I would do is I would move, I've been challenging myself and some of you felt it already, I've upped my engagement game on Snapchat aggressively. Snapchat's broken. I'm getting so many snaps that they're disappearing. I can't get them. Like, literally I'm getting so many that you're sending me something and I never see it because it only goes so far, it's not saving in the queue, and I'm like, fuck. So that's why I'm not promoting for you to engage. If Snapchat saved every one of your messages, I'd be pushing you more and be engaging with you more, but I'm getting too much volume in between being the actual CEO of a big company that when I get out of a meeting for four hours, if I know that I'm losing 100 or 200, I can't make that promise to you when I can't deliver. So I've been upping my Instagram engagement game. I've been able to do that. I'm obsessed with Facebook Live. Facebook Live's really interesting to me because unlike Periscope, when I go on Facebook Live, it's saving all of your comments like a normal Facebook post and I can really, like tomorrow I got 12 hours to London and what I love about London, my, by the way, <laughs> some of my team's gonna laugh, this is my secret reason I'm so pumped we're here. The traveling here and then the traveling, ho traveling home from here is a huge win for me because I actually get a night of sleep and then I'm awake and I have that whole flight to really catch up and when I land in New York it's still half day so whatever fucked me between 9 and 3 p.m. I could still get to 2 and I feel fresh at the end of the day. So I'm excited. Tomorrow I'm gonna crush 
a bunch of work and I'm gonna have four to five, six, seven hours and when I catch Wi-Fi once we get over to the States, I'm gonna go into the Facebook Live uh, video from last night's meetup and I'm gonna reply to every one of you fuckers. And so I love that. So, so what Twitter does for me is it's, because I've been doing it for 10 years, it's a place where I can reply to you guys so well. Um, I would just have to force my behavior on Instagram commenting and on Facebook Live and on Snapchat direct snaps to get back to that engagement but the attention, like getting you to buy the book, getting you to watch the show, getting, when I go in for that right hook, Twitter's a distant fourth even though it has my most followers in making it actually happen. I can get, check this out, this is scary as shit and I'm sorry Twitter but it's true. I can get more people to tweet at me if I put up a post right now on my Snapchat story than if, than, than if I asked than if I asked for it on Twitter itself for a tweet back. Do you know how fucked up that is? By the way, that sums up what I pr- really trade. It's attention. Doesn't, you know when I always tell you it doesn't matter how many followers you have and what you say is yeah, easy to use for you to say million follower fuckface? <laughs> I mean it. I mean it because I know my 33,000 last night stories, got it back up a little bit, getting a little more aggressive, 33,000 Snapchat stories last night has more depth of attention than my potential 1.2 million impressions on a tweet. Love it. Great. Good answer for everyone. All right, I'm gonna come with, come with unique ones and they're gonna have to come from a little that bit from the unique. left field. I thought that was good. Thank you, I appreciate it. I've been they working like pretty good. hard. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing my own little daily V shows in terms of effort. Uh, which, which show, if I could offer you, and I know you don't watch much content, so, so humor me. If I could offer you one of two shows on YouTube, which one would you watch? Daily V. Well, <laughs> check this out for a segue. The Daily V, with Sasha V set in 1970, or the Daily V set with Xander V set in 2050? Drops mic. That's a great question. That is a great question. I'm proud of you, but that's the best question you ever asked me. I would say the six interviews, you don't have to watch because they're basically basic, but that was good. (laughs) Basically basic. (laughs) Sasha. Because my hope on that bet would be that I can see Xander, but I could never go and see what Sasha was doing in fucking Belarus. (laughs) Which, by the way, was some gangster shit I hear. Uh, Drinking some serious fucking vodka pops. Um, Sasha. Yeah? Yeah, I'd be curious. You know, I knew my dad as a 40-year-old operator, which is insane. My dad was 44 years old when I was 22 and took over ops. Like, now that I'm 40, I'm like, my God. As much as I love my dad, I love him 3X now. The fact that in four years I'd have to hand it over to Misha, that blows my mind. Uh, so um, I'd love to see how, he, and really the Sasha I wanna see is Sasha 78 to 85. That's his prime, that's from, and his is way more interesting. I mean, you know, we lived humbly, uh, you know, cause our $3 million business was kicking $100,000. So we, weren't, we weren't rich. I love when people are like, oh, Gary Vee had $3 million. I didn't have $3 million, fuck faces. Wait, break, break the lingo, it was kicking, so there was a thousand, a hundred Guys, it was net. doing $3 million in sales on 10% gross profit, which means the business made $300,000 of profit before expenses. Yeah. Like I wasn't fucking rolling. Like every kid that raises 250,000 in seed fund had more money than I had to like roll my business. So enough with you stupid fucking idiots to think that. Number two, my dad, my dad fucking had zero. 
like that would have been super fascinating to watch like what it's like to make $87 a week and like roll in with like fucking no English and like fucking that could have been some real interesting shit. Yeah. And you know, another thing I want, another way I was thinking about doing something new with you. You know what's super interesting as well? Go on. Daily Tamara V. Like, you know, like my mom raised three kids. She never had one house cleaner. She never had one babysitter. I never slept a night in my house that my mom didn't sleep in that house as well. Like, you know, my parents are so much more my heroes than you guys hear me saying it that you could never understand. Like, zero. Like, just zero. Like, came with nothing and like built a real life and built a foundation that allowed me to springboard off of, right? You know, I did not start from zero. And, and it's not that I started from a lot of money. Most people that I know st- literally could have started with just as much or a little bit even more, even though many I know start with less. It's that I started with like foundational shit that it gave me no choice but to win, both in self-esteem, in work ethic, in, in all the good shit, in all the, there was no loss. There was no way I was gonna lose. You know, I can, I can kind of relate, I mean, Child of an immigrant parent, they came over here in the 70s like a lot of Asians leaving East Africa, so I can, I can dig it. The thing my parents did, the thing that my parents did though as uh, immigrants, which was so unique, and a lot, there's a lot of immigrants in this room, or, or children of immigrants, they let me be a shit student. And that fucks with me like you would not believe. Because I hang out with people all day who know that that was like, that's the way out. When you're an immigrant and you come here with nothing, you teach your kids education here, US, everywhere, because that's the way out. And the fact that they audited me and allowed me to be me, yet pushed education on AJ. AJ was forced to be a great student. My mom parented my brother totally different than she parented me. And it's funny, you guys hear me a lot of times of like, put players in the best position to succeed. It's my job to put D-Rock, and I get that from my parents, they did that for me, when it was so much easier to feel the peer pressure of all their contemporaries saying education's the way out. So they rose above that and didn't follow the blueprint, they, they followed what I was showing them I had. Mm. It's a big deal, and it's a, it's a big lesson for a lot of parents in this room, because If there's something that I am massively visceral against and something that as I continue to grow and try to like use it for like messaging, it will be the following. A parent that forces a clear entrepreneur kid to go to college and collect the debt because the parent's self-esteem is wrapped up in their kid to go to a good university are the worst fucking parents on earth. I mean that. That to me is fucked up, and I see it. I, you know, it took me to get to become a parent. It took me to get a little older. I'm like, I mean, it's been mind-boggling to me as I figured this out. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This is why this is happening. The parent wants to put that university sticker on their fucking car. And it's one thing if mommy and daddy pay for it. Then they, then they can do it. If your parents paying for it, then listen. And they're the parents. Let, that's different but the ones that are forcing their kids to go and get debt on the kid, when the kid is meant to be an entrepreneur, that fucks with me. Woo! 
I've been hanging out. I've been hanging out with some other some other worlds. Like, I mean, firstly, if I'd not just come in from Dubai, I would have definitely had a T-shirt made that says "I love my parents" because I don't. The family that I'm from, we don't really say it enough. I'd have wore it as a T-shirt. Say, it turns out that we ended up wearing a pretty similar color combo. Well, tell them the truth. We texted each other this morning. <laughs> <laughs> if this event makes no money, I'll sell you that number. But the, um, the, uh, I've been hanging out with some, some, some new dudes recently, like getting some mentorship from them from a different world. So shout out to like Jonathan Worsley and Matt Weiss and all my bench crew that are here tonight. Thank you so much for helping out. But they've been teaching me this other stuff and I wonder what your thoughts are on it. You know, your, your narrative is a lot around tech, it's around marketing, it's around entrepreneurship, it's around attitude and hustle. And we'll talk about hustle in a second, but I wonder, you're in so many vast business worlds with people that are giving you massive budgets or, or giving VaynerMedia massive budgets. What is the Gary Vaynerchuk conversation, if it happens, what is that conversation like when it comes to macroeconomics? You mentioned it in the new book. What do, what, what do you talk about? Do you, do you talk about oil prices, the slowdown in China, terrorism, US politics, commodities in Africa? Like, is there some, you must have an opinion on all that stuff. Maybe if it doesn't make it to the show, but. Around the big guys you talk to, like, yeah. give us a window in that. In, in, in those worlds, I listen a lot. I have opinions on macroeconomics. Can we get some? No, <laughs> because I don't like being in the opinion business very much, believe it or not. I really don't, and let me explain. I understand what's going, like, like I'm, a, I'm a citizen of the world, I'm sharp enough, you know, I pay attention, but boy, do I not feel like I have the audacity to spit my points of view on things that I'm just not educated on? The reason, you know, it's funny when people go to me, they're like, Gary, you're cocky. I'm like, okay. I'm like, respect. And I'm like, here's why I'm cocky. I only talk about shit I really fucking know. Like, when you only talk about wine and marketing and business and technology startups and the New York Jets and you really know it, you come with the audacity. Look, I know, like, I know oil's collapsed. I know what happened in China in the first 60 days of their stock market. I understand what's going on with, I have thoughts on shit like everybody's teaching every kid right now how to be a developer because they think that that's a good way for them to make a living. But when every kid gets taught to be a developer, it commoditizes the skill and all these kids that are being taught to be developers are gonna get paid $30,000 a year in seven years because everybody can do it. So I've got thoughts, um, but I feel like I've got real strength, like top of class strength around human behavior and technology and selling and marketing. And so look, you can talk about a lot of things. And I've talked about two things in my life publicly, business and marketing and wine. And those are two things I really know. And look, we only have one at bat and I don't wanna boil the ocean. And more importantly, I don't wanna dilute myself. You know, like, I know that if I keep talking about what I know, I'm gonna win, I really do. I know what my intent is around my brand and stuff like that, so I always feel good, and that's why I wanna have those conversations. I, I feel great about my, look, I've been right a lot more than people think. The, like, the truth is, I wasn't doing Daily V or Ask Gary V or producing content when I was on an island by myself on the East Coast talking about e-com in 1995, when everybody told me the internet was a fad. You know, I wasn't making some crazy video when I bought the word wine on Google AdWords telling you to buy AdWords, right? Like, I wasn't doing that. So I know my narrative. You've caught it somewhere along the way. I know where it's going. And so I think it's in my vested interest. And more importantly, it's my responsibility to do the right thing by people that you guys have allocated your attention to me. A 
attention, the single biggest asset that you could give me. And so I don't wanna kind of randomly spit shit that's kind of a whim or a thought and I don't have time to fucking learn the oil market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel you, I feel you. Well, thank um, you. I mean this because there's a lot of people that you guys respect and you retweet, I watch you, and when they talk, I listen. And they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm. <laughs> they're regurgitating shit they read. I get it. It's just real. The way I feel about these A minuses and B pluses, the way I feel about them, right? I don't want anybody to feel that about me in other categories. So I shut the fuck up. Let's talk about being historically right. It's important. (laughs) It's really fucking important. Because a lot of you guys are spitting shit and the smartest in that world see it and you've lost before you even fucking started. Make sure you know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've struggled with something. I find it very easy to, not easy, but I enjoy applying some of the stuff that you teach. One thing I've struggled with when it comes to being historically right, and I know you don't like universities, so don't bash my face in, but like, I wrote this dissertation back in 2001, right? It's co- and What's I don't, a dissertation? A dissertation is like your thesis. Kidding, kidding, kidding. And it's called, it's called M-Commerce, a revolutionary opportunity for businesses to get into the pockets of minds and consumers. In 2000, 2001, I was writing about apps, mobile banking, gaming, 3G before it came out, smartphones before the iPhone won the category, 4G, it's all in there. Of course you were, because it was widely available information. It wasn't. Yes, it was. I had to knock on, I had to, in, 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 in 2000. Ready for this? Da- I will spit for the next 20 minutes of everything that's gonna happen for the next 15, 20 years. I'll talk to you about VR, smartification, like, like the bottom line is if you apply any homework to what people are doing, companies are patenting and doing things that give you complete proxies and obviousness to where things are going. Artificial intelligence and VR, smartification, your refrigerator reordering your beer for you, which is the death of Tesco and Walmart around the world. That will happen in 20, like you can do it. The key is can you time it to make it actually mean something? The key is can you do something about it? Let me tell you about my world in 2000. We didn't have, obviously, the blogs, the vast of information. I had to actually ring up and call up a lot of people, like, they were called one-to-one, Vodafone, these people in the back of the I don't care if the information was easy to get to, Raj. It was there, though. Right. So kudos, you fucking took time and figured it out. (laughs) Yes, I get it, I get it. But my question is, one of your points is, and this is a harder one to apply, and I challenge anybody in the crowd to do this, because I, I worry about it. When you say legacy is more important than currency, Yes. You're absolutely right. A lot of people have built their personal brands following you and making predictions, which I think is one of the smartest things that you can do if, you, if you're that way inclined. How does one, with subtlety, go back and say, seven years I called this, seven years ago I called this, five years ago I called this, without sounding like an asshole? Well, there's a first part that really fucking matters. Let's talk about the part that really, really matters the most. If you're gonna recall and say, I told you so, you had to do shit in between that means that you did something with it. Right. To go sit on fucking Periscope for the next year right now and predict everything you can think of and then recall it is very different than what I did with social media, which was build a $100 million revenue business on the back of it, invest in three of the five biggest apps that were built within it. I not only predicted it, I fucking did things about it that made me rich as fuck. So that, so that then allows me to recall it because it matters. 
to just sit here and ju- like guess. Like, I think we're gonna build stores on Mars. And then what? When you're 92, be like, I told you. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> so what's important is to not just predict, but to make your actions mimic your predictions. For example, BookScan. BookScan has the numbers of how many books are sold. Last week, I sold more books than the next 4,000 business books or 1,500, some ungodly number combined for the week. I like that because that makes me feel special. (laughs) But that's not why I'm telling you. Besides, I want a humble brag. (laughs) What I did was I was like, holy fuck, that's crazy. So I looked at the list. And you know what I noticed? Something super fucking interesting. There was a lot of social media experts that wrote books. And a lot of them, for numbers, I sold 105,000 copies. A lot of them, my contemporaries, you follow them too, you say their names in the same breath as mine. (laughs) They sold 1,800 copies, 900 copies, 2,000 copies. Let me ask you a question. If you're so good at fucking social media marketing, wouldn't it be a good idea to apply those skills to sell your own fucking book? There's only one thing that matters, my friend. You can come with bravado and fire like I just did. You can be humble. You can go and do whatever the fuck you want. Only one thing is gonna play, results. In 2009, everybody started social media agencies that had a lot of Twitter followers. They're all gone, and I'm about to win the whole fucking thing. (laughs) Got it? So do whatever the fuck you want, but you're not gonna trick anybody. You know what? You may not like the way Floyd Mayweather spits it, but guess what? He didn't fucking lose, and so we have to fucking eat it. (laughs) You know, it's... It's true. This is this is this this really is amazing because it almost is like we texted each other because you're literally passing the ball back to me for the next question. The the term hustle yes. doesn't feel the way it felt in 2008 when I got off my ass and really took it up and took it up again. How does it feel? It feels like there's more water in, in it. It's diluted. There's more access points. There's more people using the term. It's more of a light term. It doesn't truly reflect the shittier side of hustling, which is really, it's quite difficult to commit yourself to to, to personal growth and business growth and numbers and results. And I really, I loved your new book because you've really, you've got this new child in your dialogue. You've had, you've mentioned it before, but it's really matured. It's self-awareness. And I love the contrast of hearing you talk about self-awareness versus talking about hustling. I, I put to you that maybe the rise of this self-awareness dialogue might be not the death of hustling, but certainly downplaying it because anybody can call themselves a hustler and get away with it. But if you're truly self-aware, you can tell if a guy's self-aware or not. Let's look, everything's right up until that one point. What? Anybody can call themselves anything. Like, you can roll around and say you're self-aware too. I know people who tell me, because they know I like self-awareness, in my organization that are quite self-aware and they're fucking tone deaf. (laughs) Again, it's actually a tremendous segue, the way you're setting up the question, to what I just said earlier. Call yourself an entrepreneur. Call yourself a hustler. Call yourself whatever you want. Please understand, 
Not somebody that's charismatic and a great marketer like me, not somebody who's not, nobody who's somebody who's better than me at it. You can say anything you want. The problem is eventually that shit plays out. So here's, here's the separation. When you say hustling, yeah. I found that during the hustle era, yeah. people took on more and more and more stuff. I've got a clothing line, I've got this, da, da, da. self-awareness has forced people or is forcing the better people to strip stuff out. I agree. I think, uh, I think I've lived through this period as well. And you know, when, when, guys, when I was a kid, being an entrepreneur meant you were a loser. I just, you know, and it's fun to see the head shakes of the people that aren't 25. When you said you were, if you're 40 or above and you heard the term entrepreneur back in the day, it meant that you had ideas. Yeah. And, and, and mommy and daddy were probably paying for your lifestyle or you just were a straight loser, it was bad. And, and I didn't even, I used, you know, it's funny, I even found some sort of paper where it was like, what do you do for an occupation? And I wrote businessman, right? Which is now entrepreneur. And it's so crazy for me because when this all started happening with entrepreneurship, you know, seven, ten years ago, six years ago, whatever, when it started bubbling, I was like, and it's so crazy how hot it is right now to be an entrepreneur. Like, literally people think I'm, like, young people think I'm cool, right? Like, like it's so crazy. It's crazy. And when I look at it, I'm like, my God. And at the time, I'm like, this is happening. This is so weird. This is amazing. Like, my thing is now pop culture. This is great. And what I didn't realize was it was gonna trick a lot of people, both young and old, into, remember when, I mean, this is perfect for you. Do you remember when everybody, and by the way, I truly believe the last thing that looked like entrepreneur was hip hop artist. Still. When you, when you think about the generation right before this, a lot of the kids that come up to me today that are like, I'm an entrepreneur, literally, if they were born seven to eight years earlier, would have tried to become a rapper. Straight up. I mean it, I see it every day. And so, it's just so interesting because I do think self-awareness, so here's what's key about self-awareness that goes way beyond even hustle. I talk about commerce, I'm a salesman, I'm a businessman. But self-awareness is way better than becoming a good businessman. It means becoming a better person. It means having a happy life. Like, I'm so fascinated by, you know, I hate, hate, when people hear advice from people that you don't need to make that much money to be happy and completely, I don't even say it that often because it's quick to be the same thing of how many followers I have. They're like easy for you to say, you know? So I don't say it. I try to find my friends that actually don't make a lot of money and I've been telling them like, you need to start telling people how happy you are. You make 57,000 a year, your work-life balance is perfect. You don't want shit, you're pumped, you're good, you're good. You're so damn happy. Meanwhile, I'll see them, old high school friends, random friends, people I've met in different places, but then I go into my business cocoon and I go have dinner with a buddy who's making $10 million a year, miserable fucker. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so intense. You start looking at studies where they go into these places where it's the most remote parts of the world and they're the happiest. They don't have shit. Then this, happy. And fucking people are not happy. The reason, and this is, I'm very proud of about what I'm about to say. There's one reason I started talking about fake entrepreneurs and bullshit entrepreneurship and self-awareness. One, because there is more suicide and depression going on in entrepreneurship than anybody's talking about and I feel responsible to take the baton and change the conversation if I'm capable. One. Even though I felt it, even though I felt it for the last three or four years, I thought it would be kind of weird because I was gonna be like, I'm one but you're not, ha ha, right? So I didn't wanna go there. 
but when a couple of my friends killed themselves, and I know why. You know why? Because their business failed. And the market's telling everybody, everybody's gonna win. Got it? Then I'm like, I'm part of an ecosystem that's doing something wrong. And then when I started really looking, you know, that hit me, as you can imagine. And when I say friends, I mean solid acquaintance. I would say the level we're at. We're, we're friends, but you know, busy, we don't get to, like, that, you know? That hurts. And then, you know, you know how life is funny. Then, you, like, right off the, of that news, I go into four or five pitch meetings, pitching me startups, and I'm like, these kids aren't entrepreneurs. This is rich kid Charlie, who never had adversity in his life, and he's rich and his dad got him all his connections and he just wants to do it because everybody at Harvard's doing it, right? And it's actually more practical than getting a job. You raise money, you learn. If you lose, who gives a fuck? Like, and I'm like, shit's broken. So, do you think it's fun for me that everybody comments and shares stuff and, and the press picks up? Gary Vee says, Nobody, you know, entrepreneurship is born, you can't do it. And then every comment, a person that never has heard of me before is like, fuck this guy, fuck this guy, fuck this guy. It's not fun. But I know I have the internal strength to eat it and I have a responsibility to a space that's been very good to me and that if I can help one kid, one, <laughs> one kid just realize she's a number three or he's a number five and they're successful and happy, versus going to try to do something that they were not born to do, but because it's the cool thing to do right now, they go and do, if I can pull that off, one, for all the shit I've gotta eat the next 24 months as I get bashed for going down this path, that feels good, I'll do that. Hmm. And guys, guys, that's, that's real talk. Right, like I can give you tactics and we can talk about crushing it and we can talk about like living the life. Like, if you don't let anybody else dictate your happiness, you will win. And that is why I won. I am at a place where my ambition is greater than all you fuck faces combined. <laughs> at the same time, at the same time, I swear, the level of being content would baffle you based on what I spit. And that is something that I would wish on all of you. You know? And so I want to figure out new ways to elevate the conversation. Because, and, and by the way, one of the reasons I went into a cocoon and built another business, not on your backs, is because I wanted to have the platform to be able to say the shit I'm saying tonight. Right? That I'd have the actual credit to do that because I'm building businesses. I'm a real entrepreneur. I'm better than you guys think. You just haven't figured it out yet. I mean it. And you haven't figured it out yet because I haven't done it yet. That I'll make a prediction on. I'm gonna fucking win at a level that's gonna confuse people because I'm that good. Really? We, we just went, we just went, we went to a place, this is magnificent. We went to a little bit of a dark place. No, 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 but no, but for me personally, as, as, as a creative that's, that's, that spent a lot of time and effort coming up with these questions, I'm so glad that we did. There's another question that I have that, again, it's like you're throwing me the ball back. You, you've gone through a range of emotions and a tremendous amount of effort, and you've now hit the ripe old age of 40. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, does that get a round of applause? Because 40 is pretty good, right? Like. It's unbelievable how much I would give up, AKA all of it, to be 25. It, and that's, when I see so many young faces, I'm like, ugh. 
Ugh, if they knew what they have, they have time. The asset, the fucking asset. In time, if you could go back at any point in time, through a time machine, and either congratulate or console yourself, which one would you choose, and what time in your life would it be? This is super interesting, because I can't believe what I just reacted to when you said that. The thought for someone to congratulate me or console me, in a real way, not in a let's take a selfie and it's so flattering to me, but in a true way, in a real way, is unacceptable, I hate it. One of the worst things, and, and looking at Rice, the worst thing I do as the leader of VaynerMedia is we celebrate no wins. In agency world, you get a big piece of business and everyone goes nuts and you ring the bell. and Don't even fucking acknowledge it. On the flip side, for me to ever ask another human being to look my wounds for me is disgust in my own body. What about you going back in time and doing it to yourself? I would look at myself and get the fuck out of my face. Right, right. Right, right, right. You know, that dude would be like, get out. Right. I'm in me. I'm in fucking me, right? I don't call any, I do not complain. I do not complain. And I don't need, I, I adore the attention and I love it, but I don't need it. And so like, I'm in me. Let, let's Seriously, it was interesting when you asked that question, what I felt, which was like, I don't, I don't want that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, dude, it's okay, Gary. Get the, I mean, get the fuck off me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did it. I'm gonna do more, fucker. Get the fuck out of here. What? That's who I am. Like, that's just me. And by the way, I don't think that's cool. I hate that I don't have mentors. I hate that I don't listen to other people. Every time by accident I hear something, I learn. It's a weakness. It's just my truth. Self-awareness is understanding what you suck at. And you don't just say it because it's a good line. I suck at 99%. I suck at 99% of shit. And I accept that. And I put all my goddamn energy into optimism, good, and upside, and my strengths. And that's why I win. I, I, I wonder if we just jump, jump back one question, go back to the, the, the hip-hop entrepreneur then. We'll, we'll make it light again. There are, I, I really did, enjoy, did we go dark? No, we, we, but I want, look, I want, in the, in the short period of time that I've got before I hand over to the people that made this event possible, there's one thing that I really want to know, because we're talking about hip-hop artists. I've been following your Snapchat since you've been on Snapchat. Yes. I'm going to keep it very real with you because I respect you. I didn't, pre-DJ Khaled, I wasn't following you at the same level. You shouldn't have been. I wasn't doing anything interesting. It was more looking over your shoulder on planes and things of that nature. Yes. When you, when you saw DJ Khaled at the, sp- what speed did you reverse engineer it? And what speed did you decide to go I, back in on it? Because you, you were there it, already. The, the day I saw it happen, I moved. Because DJ Khaled was doing the cartoon version of what I actually am. Yes, yeah. What do you mean like So I was uh, like, wait a minute. <laughs> the kids like it? Fuck it. I'll give them the real one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the more animated. The, the petrol, like the rocket fuel version, right? No, it wasn't the rocket fuel version. Nope. They just wanted to talk about motivation and business. Right. And I'm like, cool, then I'll really give it to you because I've got that. Right, right, right. And, and there, was there any particular process? Did you go, Kevin, okay, to just start? No, now? I'm like, what the fuck? DJ Khaled? I'm like, cool, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, DJ Khaled's way more famous than me and mainstream and first mover advantage. So I didn't say, I'm going to get more views. I'm like, shit. Mo- like this motivation business thing is speaking to 13 to 17 year olds for real. 
I had been, and you've seen videos in the past, and I've been fucking with it, I knew it was getting older, and I'm like, and it collided. At the same time that I felt in August, which was before December when I saw the Khaled stuff, in August I was like, shit, this is getting older, right? Like this is actually happening. This is gonna happen. And then for me to, and then you know, the fourth quarter's busy. So I was busy, you know, busy. And then to see the Khaled phenomenon happen in mid-November, and then really pop December, and then serendipity took over. If Khaled popped in July, I wouldn't have been able to move. But because I was on vacation, and I had time, and I begged Lizzie for me to dig a little bit during the vacation, I had the time to really synthesize what the fuck was happening, and I was like, my God. Not only is it about to get older, good for me, as it matures up, but younger is also fundamentally overreacting to a business motivation content play, this is interesting. So if you, if you, if you continue to water the, that plant, we, we've both been around in the 80s and 90s, we saw that the music industry existed prior to hip hop, and hip hop, the genre, took ownership of, for, for a long period of time, especially the golden age, in the 90s, it's like everything that you got on the music CD record platform was hip hop. Is it possible for a genre, you've got big personalities like Charlemagne the God and Peter Rosenberg and all these people, Combat Jack, is it possible for a genre of music or a genre of lifestyle of culture to own a media? No, because I don't think hip hop owned it. I mean, to say hip hop owned that era would be so disrespectful to Nirvana and that whole movement and many other things that happened. So it owned it for you, it owned it for me, but boy do I know a lot of my high school friends that were fucking bashing their heads to different kind of music. So, no, um, but you know, there's themes. And look, I mean, these themes last forever. And and by the way, hip hop changed the world. Like, Like fundamentally, what it did for racism and culture is so phenomenal, it's such a special thing. It really, really is. And there's a lot of us that are 30 to 45 that are really changed because of it, and that's trickled down, and now the 20 and under don't even realize it. We see it on them, we see it on them, but it is their only norm because it became mainstreamed. Mm. But you know this, in 2009, thank you, in 2008 actually, I made a video that said tech was about to become hip hop. The whole, the whole entrepreneur becoming the rock star was obvious to me seven, eight years ago. You can go find the video, it's there. That's what's cool about documenting the shit. I saw it, I saw it. So what's happening now with you know, the business people becoming famous makes sense to me. And I love that this entrepreneurship thing, I think entrepreneurship is unbelievable. I think capitalism, I love Mark, guys, if I ever really lose big, like if Vayner goes out of business, I will stun you with my reaction. With the same level that I sit up here with bravado and ego, you will see humility that would make your head spin. I would make Connor's reaction to his loss seem like he was bloating. I will, I will be like, I suck, I deserve it, because I care about the market and capitalism and meritocracy more than I care about myself. And so that's a big deal to me. That's why I wanted to do well, which is why I feel a sense of responsibility of making sure we tweak it and don't let it become watered down and become a bad thing. Got it? Yeah. And, and, and you're, a, you're a leading voice. I wanna, you were talking before about being a world citizen and everyone knows that you can come up with sharp observations when it comes to the evolution of brands. You've been traveling, we've, been, we've met all over the place over the last eight years. 
do you feel, as a result of where the US is right now, that, especially with Trump and so on, that brand America is evolving? And is it evolving into a, a downward direction? Because you just said hip-hop did so much for racism. And I, and I just wonder, is, is objectively, because yeah, you're here, yeah, listen, like, do, do you think... That, I was born think, in Russia, so... It is brand new. You know, I remember in the 90s, 80s, a lot of folks here remember Axel Foley, Beverly Hills Cop, New Kids on the Block. Getting to America was like, oh shit, like, it was a rite of cultural passage. Do you think it's evolving? Do I think it's what? Do you think it's evolving? Do you think that, do you of think that? Of course I think it's evolving. But do you, do you think? Every empire falls. America's empire will fall. I'd like it not to fall while I'm alive. <laughs> um, of course it's evolving, but I don't think it's bad or good. And more importantly, all my friends, and you know, don't forget, if you, if you are wealthy, if you live on the coasts of America, there's two Americas. There's New York, LA, San Francisco, and then there's the rest. <laughs> you know, like, it's different. There's America, and then there's America. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. like there, there's two Americas. Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, guys, there's, there, London is different than the suburbs and the outskirts of the, like, this always happens. This is not a country thing. This is a class thing. This is a whole different thing. So, do I think it's evolving? Like I would tell, and like I have told, all my friends who say that if Trump wins, they're going to Canada, or if Hillary wins, they're going to England. I'll tell them the same thing. Great, like, do you? Like, like, they're, like, show me the alternative. Like, I don't know, like, to me, I love when people are like, China. China is a communist country that has capitalistic tendencies. <laughs> Go do business in China. Come back and report to me how capitalistic it is. Like, so, like, look, like, I never think, I never think America is high as people think, and I never think it's as low as people think, and I think, you're just like I said before, and it will be the theme of my life probably forever at this point, because it's just the truth. Your actions speak louder than your words. So talk whatever you want to talk, do whatever you want to do, like it is what it is. Do I think that I want negative things to happen? No, I do not. But the world is in a complicated place and it's always evolving, right? You know, like how do you think somebody whose parent died yesterday in Belgium feels about some geopolitical issues? I'm gonna guess different than I feel. So I'm not gonna, or how do you feel in the reverse of that when the young brown boy in Belgium got punched in the face yesterday and he's the greatest fucking kid on earth? How do you think he feels? Yeah, yeah. So come on, this is, this is like when people are like, millennials, there's no millennials. There's no America. There's Gary Vaynerchuk, there's Paul Thompson. We are in, it's an individual breakdown. There is a collective, there always is. But to me, you know, it's evolving, but I, listen, I'll be honest with you, and either I am way too optimistic, way too naive, I struggle with thinking anybody can impact me. I struggle with it. I don't give a fuck who the President of the United States is. It's not gonna impact me. It's not gonna make me a worse person. It's not gonna make less money. When all my business friends were mad that Obama took 3% off the top from us, I don't give a fuck. He's taking the 3%, as long as he takes 3% from everybody else that looks like me earning, I'm good. Cause that means it's a marketplace and I'm willing to fight, right? right? Yeah. Dude, you know, Obama was gonna change America's brand in the world. Didn't happen the way a lot of people thought, but I support the president really hardcore because it's a tough job. Yeah. Now, do I think the, that we're getting into sensationalism? I do. Do I also think that these people are spitting shit to win? I do. Uh, do I think that some of them spit shit they don't believe to win and then will act differently? Of course. Obama did that. 
Bush did that. Clinton did that. Like, so it's tough, it's tough. But like, yes, I mean like, like logically, I think America's evolving, just like I think every part of the world's evolving, and, and logically I believe that America's reign as this leading nation in the world will run its course, because they all do, they all do. But some of them take three, four, seven, eight hundred years, I don't know where it is. Again, I really don't want to see it, because I'm cozy, I like New York. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's my bit done. I hope it was of some value. Thank you very much. How much? I hope I can read the we for Q and A. We, we've got we've got plenty of time. Yes. But we had six you guys folks. want some questions? Yeah. We had six folks that. That picked was up. bullshit. You want some questions? Yeah. Better. Did you hear the hip hop set before you came out? Yes. Yes. Better than last time? Uh, I don't remember last time. <laughs> you said about uh, Fresh Prince and all that shit? No, I know, I loved it, but like, I'm, I, what, you want me to lie to you? Yeah, better. <laughs> do you remember, what do you, what, what, do, what do you remember about VaynerWorld 1? I remember that when, I remember I weighed 30 pounds more. Um, <laughs> no, what do I remember? I remember that you, I remember that, you, if you ask me the first thing I remember, I remember that it was long, and I wanted to be longer because the vibe that night felt like you, you leveled up and they leveled up the questions. I was in the right mindset. And uh, I feel that again today, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and honestly, I think it comes out of my, my love for you. I feel, like I, I feel like I know that if I do a better job and dig a little deeper and say some new shit here tonight, that that lends itself to more people watching on YouTube, which has a chance to help you in some way. And I really like you. Last time your closing comments were just absolutely fantastic. Over to you to end. Look, first and foremost, I just want to thank all of you. Time is the asset, and for you to come out on a weeknight and support me like this means the world to me. I, I, if I could, I, besides health, if I could wish you just a, a minute of the way I feel, uh, I would want that on you because it's incredible, and so I thank you very, very, very much for coming out tonight. I just really think, I really believe this from the bottom of my heart, I think we only live one time. And like, I, and, and we don't act like it. And like, you can already, whether you're 19 or 52 and a half, you can already now think about so many times, even at 19, let alone, so many times that you're like, oh shit, Brandon, my best friend, who I grew up with, baseball cards, who runs Wine Library, we lived, I lived on the bottom floor, he lived above me in a building for three years during the wine library days, and I would tell him all the time, because I'm aware of this, I would say, we're gonna look back at these days, we don't hang out enough. Like, we're just both laying, and like, like we don't hang out enough. We're never gonna have this back, and we didn't take enough advantage of it. You know, I, that lovely lady, paper route, you here still? Yeah. Like, when I say I don't respect somebody else's point of view enough, your mom's not living your life. Like, it's just the truth. Like, one, one life. And, and all the self-awareness and all the hustle and all the, they're just different little trigger points that may make sense to somebody in this room based on what's going on in their life. But the biggest thing I could hope on you is that when you get to the end, because let me tell you the thing I don't talk about a whole lot that I've talked about a little bit if you really follow me, which is the following. In my 20s, I spent an enormous amount of time hanging out with 90-year-old people, a lot. 
it was a strategy. I was like, fuck it, these people did it, right? Let's see what they have to say. I thought it'd be interesting. As you heard tonight, I love tasting it, doing it. That's how you know. You can have your theories. You can read guru shit, but living it is the game. And it was unbelievably intense for me as somebody who was so ambitious at the time, how many of them literally, one by one at airport at airport, park or park, event or event, bar or bar, every one of them to a T started with, tell me about your life. I'm a young kid, I'm hungry, you're old. I wanna know, tell me about your life. Every one of them, all of them started with, I wish. All of them, I wish. They grew up in a generation that did not have the internet. It was not practical to do all the amazing things we could be doing. They all wished. They wished they worked harder. They wished they spent more time with their family. They wished they didn't listen to their mom and did what they wanted to do. They wished, they wished, they wished. The biggest poison in us is regret. It's poison. And I push so hard, so hard, and will, through my vehicle, which isn't meditation, which isn't health and wellness, which isn't nonprofit, my vehicle's business. I can't help it, it's what I love. I love building businesses, I love competing with you, I wanna beat you, I love that game. But through that vehicle, I will always push a lack of regret and awareness to how good it really is. You're more than welcome to tell me about how bad it is or why you can't because or what, but it's just not true. Because if anybody ever did it, then you can too. And so, and so I leave you with this. If you leave with anything tonight, it's stop making excuses, stop complaining, nobody's listening. They may make pretend they're listening, the market doesn't care. What you need to do is make one person happy, you. Then you can make everybody else happy. You know why I like making people happy? Because I'm already happy. And so I implore you to take this last little rant and really look at your fucking face and understand are you doing the things that are putting you in a position to succeed, not just in a business world but in life because it's super important because boy, when you're happy in life, your fucking business can roll. And so I'm just trying to figure it out and I've been trying to figure it out in front of you for the last seven, eight years, trying to figure out the unlocks, EQ, IQ, self-awareness, hustle. I don't know what they are, you know why? Because like I told my man, it's 330 different unlocks. And so I'll go to all of them, they're all tried and true and one might hit you, yeah it was hard work because I'm actually lazy. I talk a good game but I'm full of shit. Or it might be something else but fuck. One, and so, you decided to sit? You're into this, right? It's good, right? This is some good shit. You're gonna remember this? Good. One fucking life. And if you wanna come and sit on the stage and fucking do it, and if you wanna, (laughs) one life, my friends, one time. And honestly, I'll leave you with this because a lot of you need it. How you make your money is more important than how much you make. Love you. As we end today's podcast, I want to give a huge shout out to the people, you know, it's so funny, people that leave 
reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So take it away, which were our favorites this week? 